As I said with the kids, our scripture lesson for this morning comes from Exodus chapter 3. It's the story of the burning bush. It says verses 1 through 12, and I invite you to follow along with me for the word of God. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. Moses looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses! And he said, Here I am. Then God said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land that is flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites have now come to me, and I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that it was I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve on this mountain. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me for a moment of prayer? Gracious God, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found faithful in your sight. For you, O God, and you alone are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. I was having lunch with a college student earlier this week. We were at the Monarch down in the Delano District. Uh, and the purpose of this lunch meeting was uh, for me to ask her about her first sermon that she had actually preached just a few weeks ago over at Southwestern College. And as we were eating lunch and she was telling me about this sermon, I, I couldn't help but remember my first sermon some 13 years ago at a little chapel in Kansas City, Kansas. I was 15 years old. And the reason why her experience reminded me of mine is because for both her and my own first sermon, we both had less than 20 hours to prepare for it. <laughs> And I can guarantee you, hers was a whole lot better than mine. 
And then as I was preparing for this morning, a little bit later in this week, I was once again reminded of that first sermon, because it just so happens that the passage I preached on those 13 years ago is the exact same passage we're talking about today. Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush. Now before you run through the doors, I'm promising you I'm not going to preach that same sermon that I preached 13 years ago. It wasn't very good. But as I was thinking about this morning, I was trying to remember what did I say as a young 15-year-old, and I remember not everything that I said, but I remember the main point of that sermon. And the point was, you are worthy. You are worthy to be used by God to do incredible things. I remember as a 15-year-old, I needed to hear this message because I was wrestling with feelings of insecurity as I was beginning to sense that God might be calling me to follow And of course, this question of worthiness, the question that Moses asked when God says, uh, I'm going to send you back to Egypt to be a vehicle of my healing and transformation. And Moses says, who am I to do this? He's asking the worthiness question. It's not just a question that young teenagers face. Moses knew this, and many of us know this too. We've been taught to play what I call the worthiness game where it seems like in every facet of our society, whether it be our, our work, our schools, even our churches sometimes, we're taught to prove to ourselves and to others that we are skillful enough, good enough, pretty enough, smart enough, faithful enough, that we believe the right things. And if we play the game just right, you might get the promotion If you play the game just right, you might just get to go to heaven. If you play the game just right, you can put yourself on the moral high ground and the others you can push down. See, we're taught to play the worthiness game. And I think this is a message we often need to hear. You are worthy. In the face of all of your inadequacies, in the face of your fears, in the face of your failures, you're worthy. Friends, we have infinite worth as human beings created and loved in the image of God despite every flaw, every failure, every foible. Thanks be to God. But as I was looking at this text again and spending some time with it, I I began to see Maybe this passage isn't about worthiness after all. Maybe it's about, are we paying attention? See, when we pick up the story of Moses here in chapter 3, Moses has fled for his life to this far-off distant land called Midian, quite some ways away from the land of Egypt where he grew up. Now, if you read the story of Moses, uh, he was an Israelite, but he grew up in Egypt in the palace of the Pharaoh. Egypt was the only home that he ever knew. In fact, it was the only home that all the Israelites knew because for generations by this point, all the Israelites had been held in captivity and slavery in the land of Egypt. And so Moses grows up in the household of the Pharaoh, but like many of the 
biblical characters, and like so many of us, Moses one day experiences utter and profound failure. In a fit of anger and rage, he murders an Egyptian, and everybody turns against him. Even his own people, the Israelites, turn against him. And when Pharaoh hears that Moses has murdered someone, he's out to get him. And so Moses runs for his life. He flees from the only land that he has ever known to this far-off place in the east, a place called Midian, because he's trying to escape his past. I think he's trying to run away from his failure to start a new life. And so he does. We see that he gets married. He has a kid. He starts to work for his father-in-law as a shepherd. It seems like in every way, Moses is living the American dream. All that he's missing is the white picket fence, an Amazon Prime account, and an F-150 extended cab. Okay? This is what we're supposed to think. Because when he runs away from his failure, when he runs away from his brokenness, he creates this new life for himself. But despite his apparent success, I wonder if Moses isn't living a shell of a life. One that more than likely lacks fulfillment despite all the success. One that likely lacks purpose despite the work. One that lacks true meaning. And any one of us who has tried to run away from our brokenness and our failure and our pain will know that while life can seem all well and good on the outside, our spirits inside can still be broken empty and in desperate need of God. How many of us, I would raise my hand, in the face of our own failures, mistakes, and fears have driven ourselves to a far distant land, maybe, just maybe hoping that the thing that is broken and wounded in the deepest parts of our souls would heal if we could just escape it. I wonder if we don't all do this from time to time, and maybe we don't even realize it. We don't have to move geographically to a far-off place. We just need to detach from our hearts. We only need to disassociate from our wounds, disassociate from our pain, and hope that we can outrun our demons. However, as Father Richard Rohr once wrote, and I think this is true, if we do not transform our pain, we are bound to transmit it. If our pain does not go healed, if our brokenness does not go transformed, we're bound to pass it on to others. And just as a quick aside, I can't help but wonder if this is really what St. Augustine meant when he talked about the doctrine of original sin that we talk about sometimes. That from the beginning of human history, unhealed pain has been passed down from generation to generation. And because it goes unhealed, we keep passing it down and we inherit it. And it goes unhealed and then we pass it on to future generations. Because if it's not healed, we are bound to transmit it. I wonder if God doesn't know this. 
And I wonder if this is why God is constantly trying to get our attention. Because constantly we find ourselves, just like Moses, in a strange, foreign, distant land where externally we're winning the worthiness game that we've been taught to play so well. But on the inside, we are desperate for a sign, desperate for true calling, desperate for true purpose, and desperate for a true experience of God's presence. This is how we find Moses today. The problem is not that God's not there. I think the problem is more often than not, we're not paying attention. Poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning once once wrote that earth is crammed full with heaven, every common bush of fire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest just sit around and pluck blackberries. Sometimes it takes a burning bush to get us to stop picking the blackberries of the worthiness game and to see the way that God is trying to get our attention. See, the miracle of this passage, my friends, is not that Moses is somehow found worthy enough to be called by God. The miracle is that God not only interrupts Moses' brokenness, but that Moses was paying attention enough to notice. And we see that it's only when Moses notices the burning bush, it's only when Moses begins to pay attention that God begins to speak. And what God says is something profound and amazing. And I hope you hear this today, maybe as God speaking it to you. God says, I have heard the cries of my people. I know their suffering. I've seen the oppression. I have seen their pain. And I have come to deliver them. I have come to set them free. I have come to take them out of that place of brokenness and slavery into a new land of wholeness, a land that's overflowing with milk and honey. Friends, God hears the cries of injustice. God knows our suffering. God knows our unhealed pain. And God promises to deliver. But here's the real kicker. And this is where we ought to pay attention. That it is Moses the broken, and the unhealed one that's going to do it. See, after God makes all these grand and lofty promises, he says, come Moses, I'm sending you back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler in the world, to let my people go. I can only imagine how Moses was feeling. Who am I? One man, one person, broken and unhealed as I am. What difference can I really make? It's a dangerous assignment. One that not only asks Moses to dedicate his life to the healing of others, but first and foremost insists that Moses go back to the place of his brokenness, 
go back to the place where he failed, where he fell short. And friends, here lies, I think, a great and difficult spiritual truth. That in order for us to truly be a part of God's healing purposes in the world, more often than not, we have to go back to our places of brokenness. Back to our places of woundedness. Back to our Egypts. Not that we would resubmit to the slavery and oppression of those places, but so that God can truly heal that which is broken in us. Because it is precisely in that place of transformed pain that we can be a source of healing for others. See, if untransformed pain is only transmitted, healed pain becomes a source of healing for others. I have to wonder if this is why Moses has to go back to Egypt to face his past, to face his woundedness, that God would not only heal him, but allow him to be healing for the Israelites. Now, friends, I do not know how to solve all the great problems that face this world. i got to be honest with you. When I think about things like climate change, war, nuclear proliferation, world hunger, I can't help but be aware that I, as one person, am quite ill-equipped to do much about it. And I'm not here to say that you are equipped because the question is not about worthiness. Because when Moses says, who am I? God doesn't say, Moses, yes, no, you're worthy. You can do it. God ignores the question and he says, go. I will be with you and I will give you what you need when you need it to do what I've called you to. If anything is going to happen to move our world towards healing and liberation, it's only going to be because the people of God begin to pay attention to the burning bushes in their lives and have the courage to follow the call of God back into Egypt. To let God not only transform your own pain, but to let God work miracles through our healed hands for the healing of nations. The truth is we can go about our lives on, on autopilot, living the American dream just like Moses was. We can pretend that we're autonomous, pretend that we're in control, pretend that we can leave unhealed pain behind us, but eventually a burning bush is going to get our attention. And I hate to say it, but I think that it's true. If it takes a burning bush to get you to pay attention, it's probably going to take a great personal failure or a great tragedy in your life to awaken you to the presence of God. It is not that God wills failure or tragedy to happen or that God makes them happen. These things just happen to us. And these failures and these tragedies tend to be the moments in our lives that awaken us to reality. Awaken us to the truth of our unhealed pain and wake us up to the reality that despite all of our attempts to believe otherwise, we desperately need God. And friends, until we awake to that reality, 
I'm afraid none of us will be able to hear the authentic voice of God in our lives. Because until we realize that, like Moses, we all have some unhealed pain and woundedness in our past, we will never be able to invite God into that pain and do what only God can do. Transform it to be a place of healing for others. Now, I did keep that original sermon manuscript from 13 years ago. And because my mom and dad are here, I'm going to give them a shout out and say thank you for trying to find it. They searched through, oh, I don't know how many boxes of old papers. But we couldn't find it. But maybe that's okay. Because I think we all need to leave this worthiness game behind us. And hear what I think God is really saying in this passage. I think God is asking us, are you paying attention? And are you willing to follow where I lead, even if that leads you back to Egypt? If you continue to read the story of the Exodus, you'll see that time and time again, God was present with Moses to give him signs that he needed to do his work. Whether it was signs to prove that God had called him, or whether it was when he gave him his brother Aaron because Moses couldn't speak, or even those terrible ten plagues to convince the Pharaoh to let the people go. God was with Moses, and God will be with us as we respond to the call to examine any unhealed pain and to let God use that place to heal and to liberate the nations. Are you paying attention? Are you willing to follow? I want us to close with just a short... um, refrain from a hymn. At the 8 o'clock service, we sang this hymn, uh, Here I Am, Lord, which is in the hymnal. And as we were singing the chorus, it sounded like Moses. And so I would invite you, uh, Justin's going to lead us in this, and we're going to sing it through twice. Uh, May the words of this refrain be the prayer of your heart as you respond to those places God is calling you to go this day and every day. Amen.